We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. Women in Translation Month is coming up. Summers go by so fast that some of us are caught off guard and aren't sure what to pick up. Or maybe you're just looking to check out more Women in Translation. They say in the United States, only 3% of literature that is sold is in translation. Are we choosing to read to hear the voices of half the world? And I thought about this from the perspective of how can I give people a couple of good recommendations? Something to sneak in and read real quick that some people could do in a poolside reading. So I grabbed some books under 100 pages and a few that are about 200 pages. But the idea is short little works for you to check out some of the other half of the world. I'm gonna give you three main recommendations and I think you should start with one of these three because they're short, first of all, and I think you can sneak them in, but they also give you a good flavor of the local culture. And also I'm gonna rank these from easiest to read to more difficult to read. So in terms of my first recommendation and easiest to read, let's talk about Kitchen by Banana Yoshimoto, a Japanese author who writes about the experience of Mikage a young girl who's going through loss, who's going through grieving, and she's going to challenge what is nourishment, what does love mean in my life, and how do I find connection with others? It was written in 1988 and actually features a transgender woman, so it's actually quite forward-thinking for Japan, too, of the time. But it doesn't go political the way that a lot of things do today. So that one is very easy to read. This next one I'd say is maybe medium difficult because the structure of it is there's four different stories and some people have a hard time jumping back and forth between four stories, particularly when the name of the chapter isn't the story that you're jumping into. So you have to figure it out through contextual clues. But the writing is lucid and it's an absolute joy and a winner of the English Pen Award. And that's The House in Smyrna by Tatiana Salem Levy, a Brazilian author who has a background in story about uh, the, the tale of immigration. Um, I'll say there's a, there's a lot of autobiographical elements to this, and it's an exploration of identity, of ethnicity, and what makes us us, and what allows us to connect with others. It's very endearing, and just the writing style is so clear. Once you know, like if, if, if you knew what each fragment and vignette was, this book is just so easy to read. It's so clear, and the characters are really endearing. Now, with that said, while I'm telling you the heartwarming parts, there are some intense scenes in here as well. This isn't afraid to look at the dark side, and there is an attack on woman in this situation, so make sure you check out your spoiler warnings before reading any of these books. The last one, probably my favorite. You know you're not getting out of a, a Codex Cantina video without us talking about Clarice Lispector, another Brazilian author. This is her magnum opus, The Hour of the Star. This is a special collector's edition. She is probably the most prominent female writer to come out of Brazil, and for good reason. This is also her culmination of a lifetime of writing into this book both from a literary standpoint, from a theme standpoint, from an emotional and ability to connect with a woman who goes through the lowest lows, through the highest highs, 
and is exploring the meaning of life, is exploring uh, what life could mean to you. I'm going to have a review up, uh, linked in this one just because this was one that is just one of my top reads of all time. And this is just a book that really conveys her, and I think it's okay to start with this, but I also think it's okay to end with this too, where it gets further enriched by her other writings. But this is by far the one that I think is just emotionally allows readers to connect and culminates in just this grand epic that if you know Lespector's writings, you see how it leads to this moment that just is very rewarding. So those are the three books to start with from difficulty of how of just reading and consuming. I want to give you four other options just because I think there's different types of readers out there that are looking for different things. Up next, we have Ludmila Petruvskaya. This was recommended to me by Tipsy Tolstoy and is a Russian female writer. And this is a story about a mother. And do you want to take this to be just a character piece and her struggles through the fall of the Soviet Union? and the, the struggle with pension, with living conditions and space and what's given to you and sharing with a family that just takes and takes and takes. And it's heartbreaking to read. And it's hysterical. I'm, I'm reading this book and there's several parts where I read what she wrote and just, <laughs> it's just so darn funny. And it's that, it's that Russian dark humor. You know, some people don't get it and they're like, oh, it was so sad. But there's parts where it's kind of like that schadenfreude, like you're supposed to laugh at misfortune type of thing. So that's why it's not on my top list, uh, list of things to go read because you do have to be open to that type of humor. But you can also read this on a very literary level in terms of Mother Russia of always giving to the people and the people not giving back to the land and that sort of thing. It talks about that on the back of this text. So I'll leave that for you for how you want to read this. It's that dark, quirky humor that is just really fun to read, that if you've read some Russian novels, you know that type of humor. This could be something that connects for you in a quick read to sneak in. Up next, we gotta be talking about that Booker Prize. We gotta be talking about Heaven by Mieko Kawakami. You know you're not gonna get through a video without me talking about Kawakami as well. She's one of the rising top authors for me to be reading as she's publishing these books in English, finally, once a year so far. And this was a five-star read for me. This one is a book about a young boy and girl that kind of go through bullying in different ways and how they connect. And it's very heartbreaking when you think about things, when you think about why do we bully people? Why do we pick on differences? And should we even? We go there, right? This is a book that brings up, it talks about on her website, how she was reading some philosophy and the idea about nothingness, about how nothingness matters in this world. And, and, and everything that we decide in terms of morals and in terms of values is just invented. This challenges that. Right, And I don't think there's a specific point, but it blends these Eastern and Western ideals uh, that we talk about in the video. I'll publish that. But this is just such a, a cool story to kind of get lost in the innocence of youth. And as two young individuals find their place as the world develops around them with these bullies that are picking on them, and it's heartbreaking to read, but also challenges you to think about how should I treat others and why do we treat others certain way. Up next, we've got The Memory Please by Yoko Ogawa. This was actually probably not my favorite read, but I wanted to put it on this list for a specific reason. A Japanese author who, if you've read one Yoko Ogawa, you've read one Yoko Ogawa. <laughs> All of her writings are so different. She's such a talented writer. This one, she took a very loose literary approach, but gave it a sci-fi setting, which I think was enough to upset the literary crowd and enough to upset the sci-fi crowd because you're just like, what am I getting with this novel? But if you can learn to let go, which was very hard for me, to just experience the emotional idea of loss. This is a story where a narrator 
lives in this world where things, they wake up one day and they've just disappeared. Like roses, gone. And, and not only have just the physical object for roses have left, so is the idea of roses. I can't even remember what that word was. I don't remember. I have this smell in my mind, but I can't quite recall it. It's such a unique premise. And I've heard so many wild interpretations, and that's okay, on what this book could mean. But as someone who loves the mind, who loves experiences, who loves the past, this is a book that is interesting to challenge what happens when we lose those. And how does that represent a part of your identity in this world? Last but not least, but definitely the most challenging, The Obscene Madame D, another Portuguese work from, from Brazil. This is Hilda Hill's magnum opus, a masterpiece, clocking in at just 57 pages. It ain't long, people, but it's depth-wise, very intriguing, very challenging. This is not uh, a book that if you've never read literary fiction before or if you've never read stream of conscious writing that you just jump into, this is definitely on the more difficult side when I think it comes to consuming and trying to grapple with meaning. And when we think about the word obscene and in, in the oeuvre in the of Hill's writing and the idea of challenging and even upsetting some writers or some readers, Hill's is a writer that is not afraid to go to places that make you blush. She's not afraid to challenge social norms and say, why do you expect this of people? This is about a woman that lives under the cupboard like Harry Potter almost, and just has this obscene life and, and time is thrown out the window. Uh, space is even thrown out the window. You sometimes are just a disembodied voice jumping back and forth through moments in time. It's, it's almost like a challenge to God, a challenge to time, an immaterial, timeless being. You, you, you explore these types of thoughts in this book. And it's definitely a challenging but rewarding read. It was a five-star read for me, probably a one-star read for some people. But again, I've given you that warning that this is definitely not for the beginner and it's something to kind of explore, I guess, another voice in this world. I wanted to choose really wild and crazy out there stories, not just one genre for one person. I wanted to give a lot of different options out there for you who out there who are looking to kind of explore some different voices to read. So hopefully that gave you an idea and some options. Let me know what your recommendations for women in translation are. I'd love to maybe check out some more books from various authors. Tell me what your top reads are and tell me why you think we should check it out. Look forward to hearing from you in the comments. My name has been Una. Peace out.